Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. weekend and this is the icing on the cake right now this is the i love new york 355 at the glen and it's time to bring the action kyle bush leads kyle larson martin truex jr it's all very gentlemanly at the moment sue's looking at the inside it's gold metal they just run you down let's go for a ride Suarez blocked the first stage win. Daniel Suarez, a complete sellout. It's Martin Truex Jr. Truex takes the lead. Oh, has we got trouble here? Kyle Busch, one move, just too many. The desperation is coming from behind. So much on the line. The car you don't want to see in your mirror is the black 78. One lap to go. This is it. Oh, what a thriller. Martin Truex Jr. will win at the glimpse. emotional and popular win yesterday. Martin Truex Jr. embracing his crew chief Cole Pern after winning for the fourth time this season and the first time ever at Watkins Glen. Pern has been grieving the sudden loss of a close friend who passed in the days leading up to the race. Welcome into NASCAR America, everybody. Presented by Mobile One, Carol Lomano alongside former crew chief Slugger Labby and fresh from the Glen, we have Parker Clickerman alongside as well. It was a great race yesterday. We are going to cover it thoroughly, but we start with the news of the day, and that is that Hendrick Motorsports has announced that Casey Kane will not return to the number five Chevrolet next season. No official word on his replacement yet. Kane has been with the organization for six seasons. He won the Brickyard 400 at Indy just two weeks ago. Go. So he is in the playoffs. And Kane is the third driver currently in the playoffs who doesn't have a guaranteed ride next season. He joins Matt Kenseth in the 20 and also Kurt Busch in the 41. So what do you take from this new slugger? Well, it's interesting to me, Karen. Like you mentioned, he won the Brickyard 400, a life-changing moment just two weeks ago. And he has a contract with Hendrick Motorsports through 2018, but yet that's not enough to keep him in the ride. So I'm curious to see if Mr. Hendrick and Hendrick Motorsports, what kind of involvement they have with Casey Kane next year. And that's the interesting point here. And I think for all the Casey Kane fans out there wondering, where's he going? Is he going to still be racing? You don't need to throw away your T-shirts just yet because I do believe Casey Kane will be racing next year. And I think the popular or conventional wisdom right now is that he will be most likely in some sort of Hendrick-affiliated ride that we'll see come together over the next couple months. So well, that's, that's the thought process this time. While we wait to hear for certain, he did finish 16th on Sunday. To say that it was a thrilling race, probably a bit of an <laughs> understatement. It certainly delivered. Let's relive some of those final laps. We'll start with 14 to go. The two of Brad Kozlowski has run the 78 back down. Look at this. For the lead of the race, right where Kozlowski had the accident with Kyle Busch, the two for Team Penske takes the lead of this race. Kelly. 
Well, Lee, I can tell you that Martin Truex Jr. knows that that two car cannot make it on fuel. He's been told twice in the recent laps that he has got to get much more aggressive with his fuel savings. So that's what Martin's doing. They're banking on the two. is going to have to stop. He's backed it up. He's letting off the gas early and earlier. Two laps short was the message from Cole Pern to Martin Truex Jr. As you see the replay right here, the 78 doesn't even really put up a fight as he climbs the S's. He knows the two's coming. He really gives them the lane, allows the two to go by. This is an example of it's more than just your car, more than just your strategy. To be a great crew chief on top of the pit box, you have to know your opponent's car, your opponent's strategy, your opponent's weakness. The two's weakness right now is purely in the fuel tank. No reason to race, Brad Kozlowski. Kelly was spot on. The 78 is in a different race. Don't worry about the two. Just keep the 14 and perhaps the 21 behind him. Those are the cars that we all believe can also make it on fuel. The thing that we don't know is who started this run saving fuel. Remember, you have to save fuel over a certain amount of laps. If you save it early in the run, then that means you can run harder later. Who started saving when, that will help determine who's going to be fast at the most important part of the race. With 10 to go, as you see the flag that's showing. Well, it sounds like a broken record, bud. Just keep saving. Some of these guys in front of you are going to run out here. We just got to make sure we finish this race. You're doing good. So as you look, Lee, across the top of your screen, as we look at the running order, below the driver's name is the last pit lap. Why is that important? Because look at Keselowski. He was last on pit road at lap 49. He is well short compared to Truex, Blaney, and Boyer, who have more fuel in the tank. Their last lap was lap 53. The fascinating part about the closing stanza of this race is which one of it is for the lead, for the win. Who's going to fall over these closing seven laps? Well, we have seen this before. People have always tried to stretch fuel at Watkins Glen, especially on this fresh pavement. you got to feel, Jeff, that it's got this air about it, doesn't it? Oh, it 100% has it about it. You see Clint Boyer not giving any fight at all to Kyle Busch. Remember, we've talked about it over and over and over. Clint Boyer cannot afford to not finish this race. But how about Ryan Blaney? He's gotten by Truex Jr., but still pushing. Ryan Blaney needs to slow down. He needs to get only go as fast as he needs to go to stay in front of the 78. He's in fuel-saving mode as well. Save some fuel right here. Marty. Ryan Blaney saved then, and they told him, Jerry Volan said, listen, if you can get past the 78, do it. Once you do that, then save, because we are positive the two cannot make it. Yeah, we've seen Truex Jr., how much he's backed up. He slowed down as much as three seconds a lap trying to save enough fuel. The question is, can he save enough to use that speed his car has to run Blaney down with a few laps left? I'm really surprised Blaney's not slowing his lap time down. He only needs to lead this race by one car length. Doesn't have to have 30 car lengths. I am in the two pit and the tension is palpable. Paul Wolf literally standing on top of the pit box talking to his guys. The fueler has his hand on the fuel tank. So far, no sign that he might come to pit road, but he's pushing the entrance to pit road. So this might be the two car coming down pit road right now to get some fuel. Yeah, I don't believe the two car can make it at all. If Ryan Blaney is able to finish this race off and make it to the end, that would be the Wood Brothers 100th win as we see Keselowski pitting. So there's one out. Take the two out of the equation. Ryan Blaney will be elevated to the lead from this move. He would give his kingdom for a thimble full of fuel as he's cleared turn number four well in command of this race. And you heard him, guys. Ran out. Ryan Blaney out of fuel as he goes down the back stretch, Parker. I was just going to say, it looked like he was going slow, coasting almost right now. As I listened to him go by, 
He's got, yeah, he's got nothing there. He's trying to put it in a, down a gear. The 21 car is definitely out. He's going to try and nurse it back to the pit, shaking it back and forth to get fuel to that pickup. This is it. It's coming down to Martin Truex and Matt Kenseth. For the final time, downhill to start the ultimate uphill run through the S's. It's Truex and Kenseth. Kenseth desperately needs this win to make the playoffs. He's been waiting for this moment all year long. The question is, can he get there? Truex by 10 car lengths for the final time to the back straightaway. Bagman Mountain Truex Jr. just did the slowest lap of this run. Almost four seconds off one of his fastest laps. He gets in the grass and makes a little mistake there in the interloop. That's going to allow Matt Kenseth to gain. This is where you have to push. As you come off the carousel, you've got to give it everything you've got. If this car has enough fuel, it will make it from here, Jeff. Kenseth can see the ticket to the playoffs right in front of him. He's praying Martin Truex Jr. runs out of fuel as he approaches turn six. Only two quarters left to go. Matt Kenseth, can he do a Truex locks up? into turn six one corner left the difference may be between making the playoffs and not the guy who leads the points the guy who needs the win it's not gonna happen martin truex jr will win at the glen and he's running out of fuel but he makes it oh what a thriller truex does it he's won at sonoma and now he's won at the glen and he was the smartest in the fuel game Truex Jr. with his fourth win of the year. More on him in just a moment. Matt Kenseth coming home second. That's his best finish of 2017. And the rookie, Daniel Suarez, who finished third, posting the best finish of his young career. Denny Hamlin and Clint Boyer rounding out the top five. But back to the man of the day and his dominance in 2017. You look at the numbers, they really tell the story. He leads all drivers and wins with four top ten finishes, laps led, stage wins, stage points. His 34 playoff points are more than twice as many as the next closest driver. And after the win, he spoke with Chris Devota in victory lane. Good luck, Charm's back. That was awesome. I was sure let your driver out of the car. Yeah, my first race back. It's pretty cool. We've had a rough couple weeks, so this is pretty awesome. No question, the emotion is there. To, yep. Let's go ahead, uh, Martin. This is one you've been. This is one you've been waiting for. Uh, your family. You talked about Cole and the friendships, the tough week that you guys have had. How do you even put this one into words? Uh, I'm a little bit, um, a little bit lost for words at the moment, just because um, I've been thinking about this one a long time, um, all weekend, all day, and then at the end there, just um, man, it's so hard to let guys pass you for the lead, and you just, uh, you just gotta listen to your crew chief. And luckily for me, I've got the best one in the business, and I've, I just believe in him so much and what he tells me. I just do what he says, and uh, it always seems to work out. So, just gotta thank him, and uh, it's been a tough week, as I said, for him, thinking about uh, his his buddies, parents there, and family. And um, this is a dream come true team. This is, uh, man, this, I guess it's our time, but. Just uh, can't say enough about all these guys and um, what they allowed me to do. It's uh, having the time of my life, that's all I can say. Time of your life. You said as a little boy your dad would bring you here. You'd watch him race. Uh, would that little boy be pretty surprised at what you guys have been able to do this year? Yeah, that little boy would be pretty shocked. He was uh, he was a little quieter than I am even and uh, just walked around the garage just dreaming one day of racing at places like this and uh, watched my heroes, you know, going around here. And some of my heroes were, you know, Bush North cars, you know, for me back then. That was a big deal. So, uh We've been coming here a long time. It's us true X's and 
we finally got us one. Yeah, he's wanted to win here for a long time, and he's been, come some close. I, I, I struggle between missing the moment and getting it on camera, you know. I always tell him to live in the moment, put our phones down, but it's hard to miss that moment and not get it on, on camera. So I'm so happy that I was here. It's my first weekend back, and it was a great present. It was awesome. Sherry needs to start setting the DVR so she can take the whole moment in because Martin Trick Jr. has had quite a season. And with this win, three playoff spots remain open with Chase Elliott, Jamie McMurray, and Matt Kenseth still holding them on points. Kenseth on the bubble. He extended his lead over Clint Boyer to 28 points. We're going to discuss the bubble battle a little bit further later on. But Martin Truex Jr., speaking to Krista and, and after the race, described this whole scenario, this whole fuel strategy scenario, as pure torture as a driver, which I'm sure you know, letting other drivers pass him for the lead. What does this say, Slugger, about the absolute blind trust that he has in his crew chief? Well, it takes a lot of discipline. You know, the crew chief listens to the engineers, the, and the crew chief takes that information, gives it to the driver. You know, letting up 150 foot early is not an easy thing to do, Parker. And, and the discipline it takes to do that, let cars pass you, extremely frustrating as as a driver because you know you want to beat those guys but you know you're going to get them when they have to pit so the two and the 21 were forcing Truex to run harder he didn't fall for it and it, it goes back to the fact that we must remind people that we don't have a fuel gauge inside there right so it's all by feel and trusting what your team and your crew chief is telling you in terms of how much you need to save and what you just mentioned slugger is the way we do that is that we back up the corner we start lifting earlier and especially at a road course over multiple corners and the team might tell you okay you need to start lifting 100 feet earlier well, then it's on the driver to figure out what is 100 feet, right? So now it's his perception of 100 feet. Then it's the feel. Am I, do, am I coasting long enough? And then it comes down the lap time. Is the lap time adding up to what the crew chief and everyone wants to see to know that that's the amount of fuel you're saving to go all the way? And then you add in that you're having to let cars go by you, right? Which is the most unnatural oh. thing in the world for a race car driver is to let other cars pass you and then hope that they'll come back at the end. So there's so many things that go into it. But at the end of the day, it is a it's a massive guessing game for a lot of it until it all works out, which it did for the 78. Is it one of the most difficult situations for a crew chief to be in? Well, it is because, you know, you call the strategy. As soon as they left pit road on lap 53, they knew what the plan was. And the team, all your guys on pit road are looking at you. Can we really do this? You got the car owner asking, can we really do this? But it takes everybody executing. Did the fuel man get it full of gas? There's a lot of things that go into making that call. And, and the discipline of the driver was the whole key to the whole thing, Carolyn. And it's a tough thing. Parker, we've done it driving down the highway. Your car's on empty. You try to stretch it to the next exit. Your palms get sweaty. Can I make it? You get all stressed out, yep. and you run out of gas and, as you're pulling the gas station. And there the anxiety comes from the fuel gauge telling you it's low. <laughs> For us, it's wondering, <laughs> is there any fuel in there? That's right. <laughs> well, you knew, actually, that the race was over just a little bit before it was. Let's listen to the 78 team so I can show you what Slugger was talking about. Coming to the white flag. So blue switch, blue switch, you heard that and that triggered something for you. Yeah, I knew right then that was the key to Martin getting back around for one more lap. And what that is, Carolyn, it's a fuel reserve box that they have in the fuel cell. It holds about eight-tenths of a gallon, which at Watkins Glen will just about buy you a lap. So when he got to the start-finish line, he knew that was the last lap. 
Cole told him to hit the blue switch. That means he had eight-tenths of a gallon in the reserve, and that was enough to get him back around. So when I heard that, I knew it was game over. <laughs> <laughs> you and not many others, because remember what Martin Truex was doing at that time, though, was he was going very slow. He was saving a ton of fuel, and actually the lap before, he did his slowest lap of the run. It was about six seconds off what these teams were able to do at full chat. So it was very interesting to see him then suddenly have the 20 breathing down his neck and have to then go back to driving full out. And that's why we saw that little bit of stake into the interlude. Because as a driver, when you're backing up the corner 200 feet, 300 feet, suddenly when you're tasked with, the, with going out and going as hard as you can and the driver behind you has been doing that, he's already in the rhythm, that's a tough thing to do. And so we saw that little mistake in the interloop. He was able to recover through the carousel, but then as they came down to turn six, he hadn't gone into there very hard. It's a very hard braking zone. He locked the left front tire and went a little bit wide. It was those times where you thought, okay, this is tough to suddenly get back to going full out when you've been backed off for that long. It takes discipline. You know, we keep talking about discipline, saving fuel, but it takes discipline to get back after it, Parker. It's not easy, like you said, when you're running extremely slow and get back in that rhythm and going hard. I, I thought he actually lost the race when he locked up that tire getting into the last corner, but obviously he didn't, and it was a great finish to the end, but a great win for that team. Winning a fuel mileage race, as Martin will tell you, is probably the hardest thing he's ever done. And I will say that, you know, even with those mistakes, where I think he won that race was when he got, he had the mistake to the inner loop, but he recovered through the exit, and then as he got to the carousel, he was able to stop the 20 from closing the distance to his bumper. And right then and there, I felt like he had it. Because if the 20 had gotten to his bumper off the carousel and had a chance to maybe be into his bumper into turn six or turn seven, I feel like he doesn't win this race. So that, to me, after being able to get the reserve switch on, knowing he has enough yeah. fuel, and then be able to rise to the level of the, the speed that the 20 is going and figure that out in that pivotal corner of the carousel, I thought that was where he probably had the race won. Matt Kenseth wanted this one so badly. The team yeah. wanted it so badly, but he still congratulated Martin Truex Jr. <laughs> um, on social media. He says, solid day for JGR on Toyota Racing, although I wanted that one bad. I'm happy to see Martin Truex Jr. finally win something. So a little yeah. tongue yeah. cheek is yeah. here. That poor guy, Martin Truex Jr., he <laughs> just hasn't won a single thing. He is not fast not stages, at all. nothing this year. Like 18 checkered flags. Yeah. But, but to his point, there are so many different drivers in different scenarios as it relates to the playoffs all going for the same thing on this fuel strategy at the exact same time at least the 78 team had the luxury of knowing that they are firmly planted in the playoffs yeah and you had Clint Boyer who was the, the template for that situation which that team was put in a very precarious position they needed the points as we know they're trying to get in the playoffs on points they can still do it but they also want to get that win and you think of the start of their day he overheats the brakes in qualifying they have to change the entire brake system start the rear and drive all the way through the field and now are put in the position where they had a chance to go for the win but with the playoffs looming and how much pressure is on that race team to make the playoffs knowing if they get in there they think they're fast enough to compete they had to back him off and go after go conservative instead of going for the win but as a crew chief i was sitting there watching 29 cars on the lead lap if one of those guys run out of gas the 20 or the 14 they finish 29th lose a ton of points and they're only 28 points separating those two drivers right now it's a very pivotal moment where they got aggressive but it worked out for them we yeah. might remember this race as deciding who got in the playoffs or not. well we have plenty of time to discuss the rest of the field coming up in the show because there's still a lot of ground to cover just days after the death of his very close friend Cole Pern celebrating his win in victory lane we're going to hear from the crew chief of the 78 about a very emotional week Brad Kozlowski's fuel gamble falling just short much on his day which included a run-in with a familiar foe team toy Toyota trouncing the field again on Sunday. We'll show you just how dominant they were. And with a win in sight, Clint Boyer 
had to save that fuel to get to the finish. Kept his playoff hopes alive, but can he make it in? That's the big question. That and more coming up on NASCAR America, presented by Mobile One. NASCAR America is brought to you by new Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for one full year. series is here on NBCSM with four races left. IndyCar's best face three tough turns and one big challenge at the tricky triangle, the Pocono IndyCar 500, that's Sunday, August 20th on NBCSM. Well, Martin Truex Jr.'s win Sunday came at a time of intense personal grief for his crew chief. Cole Pern's childhood friend, Jacob Damon, passed away very unexpectedly last Thursday, and there was no avoiding Pern's emotion when he spoke with Mo Marty Snyder after the race. Very impressive spraying skills, by the way. Yeah, you know, good thing about winning, you get some practice for sure. So, I don't know, it was uh, about the worst week of my life so far. And to be able to win this for you, Jake, is uh, just unbelievable. I know everybody in Strathroy is back home watching. And I can't wait to get home tonight and see everybody. And it's going to be a tough week, but at least we'll all be together. It has been an emotional week for you. Your friend, Jacob, you guys went to high school together, college together, had your first jobs together, and he lost his life this week very surprisingly. And with the emotion that's going on with Martin and Sherry and all this race team, you know, wins are always needed, but this one especially? Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, it just seems surreal the whole week. Uh, whole week hasn't seemed real and it still doesn't yet so uh, I don't know like I said I just can't wait to get back home tonight and, and uh, to see everybody this week will be uh, you know make it make it a lot better to deal with but uh, I don't know I just uh, miss all you guys and I can't wait to be home. Shortly after the race uh, Perm posted this on Instagram as he made his way back quickly to Canada heading home I love you my friend I know you were watching today. Uh, Slugger, how difficult is it to focus in that situation on race day when personally you have so much else on your mind? Well, I spoke with Cole last night, had a little conversation with him, and his heart was broken. You know, his, his heart was in Canada, but his mind was at Watkins Glen, and what he focused on was winning that race, and he's very proud that he gets to take that checkered flag to Canada with him and hopefully help with the grieving process. Yeah, there's no doubt that it helps a little bit, but I think when you look at this race team as a whole, what Martin Truex and Sherry have been through, you know, this team has fought a lot of adversity off the track as much as they have on the track, and the thing you consistently hear out of Martin Truex is how that team is a family. Cole has mentioned it, too, and I think I think it's one of the few teams we hear that a lot. They're out in Colorado. They're kind of on the island out there by themselves. But they've been together. They've been together a long time. And they all are having a lot of fun together. And they treat each other as a family. And so that's the best thing is to go to Victory Lane with your family like Cole did. It was an unexpected tragedy. His friend is only 35 years old. He leaves behind a wife and also two children. And his funeral is going to be held this Thursday. Coming up, we are going to get post-race reaction from Team Penske, including Brad Keselowski, who was involved in that accident with Kyle Busch midway through the race. We will hear from Brad and Joey Logano next. Welcome back, everybody. A reminder, this Wednesday at 5 Eastern, Joey Logano is going to join the NASCAR America crew live from the NASCAR Hall of Fame in Charlotte. He has had an up-and-down season. His mission to make the playoffs getting even harder after Sunday at Watkins Glen. In best-case scenario, we were going to finish in the top 10, which does nothing for us. And, uh, you know, it's either we're going to, you know, maybe a top five or, or win is the only thing that's going to help us in this situation. So we went for it. Um, by pinning and putting four on and uh, hoping to 
uh, get a caution and have one pit and maybe we can cycle out ahead a lot of cars with, with some tires on it and maybe go for it that way. But uh, unfortunately, it went green all the way and uh, we didn't get a good finish. So, um, yeah, we got to win the next few races here. We got to try to get something. And this was one of your best chances, but you have success at Michigan, Bristol, Richmond. So how do you keep this team upbeat, focused, moving ahead? Yeah, we got to stay upbeat. It's, uh, it's tough. We got to keep. Uh, we got to keep pushing. It's just not. Uh, not the easiest moments of uh, our careers for sure. But um, you know, this is what uh, you know shows what you're made out of is uh, how you handle these situations. So we're gonna keep fighting, and um, you know, we're gonna go down swinging if nothing else. So we are going for the wins. I know drivers Parker have a poker face sometimes. Was that a more revealing interview than you may have expected from Joey Logano, given where he is right now as it pertains to the playoffs? I think he's normally fairly open about things, and I think he was very open after the Xfinity race when he had a good run there and, and talked about how it added some confidence back for him. I mean, it, this downward spiral since Richmond has been bad, but I didn't know it was that bad in terms of you know taking away confidence from Joey. But I think the interesting thing there is that he is fully understanding it's a must-win position now. There, th th at this point... 95 points out, they are not going to point themselves. And you heard him say that, you know, maybe top fives will help. I don't even think those will help. You've got to go out there and find a win. And the funny thing to me is that he's been very open about that, a little bit more understanding the pressure here involved. Whereas when I spoke to his crew chief, Todd Gordon, the morning of that race yesterday before qualifying, he said, look, I don't think we're in a must-win position here before Watkins Glen. He said, I look at the next couple tracks, and he listed off their record at him and thought, we're going to be fine. He has, uh, he has a great confidence, but the driver seems a little bit maybe unsure right now. Mm. Is that yeah, interesting? We, we spoke to Todd Gordon this morning on Sirius XM Radio, the morning drive, and he was as confident as could be, and I was really taken back by that. But, but to win races, you can't make mistakes, and that team made a big mistake on pit road when they couldn't get the right front tire off. The car was unpittable, and they lost 13 spots. You can't win races making mistakes like that. We just saw the playoff standings. Logano now 95 points out of the playoff picture with only four races left, like Parker just said. So it's a it's a must-win situation for him. In the meantime, his Penske teammate Brad Keselowski very much in contention right up until the very end of this <laughs> thing. You know, we were racing to, to be first in class. <laughs> you know, uh, Marty just and, and fighting real hard for that. And it felt good to be able to, to lead laps knowing that, you know, the Fords and the Chevys are about a half a second or a second slower than the Toyotas. So... Uh, so you know, there's some solace in, in being able to do that, and so I'm proud of everybody on the uh, Miller 2 crew for putting in that effort. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we probably still would have got fourth, maybe fifth. Uh, who knows, maybe a little better if I hadn't drove through too many pit stocks leaving. That. I, I guess I didn't see that one. I'll have to look at the replay. But uh, certainly an eventful day with uh, the contact there at the 18, and, uh, you know, the team didn't give up and, and kept trying to put me in position to make something of it. And uh, got to give them a lot of credit for that. I wanted to ask you about the contact with the 18. I know it didn't help your day either. Obviously, he was not very happy with it. What was your take on what happened there? Yeah, I, I haven't, you know, seen the replay. I just know that when I was going in the corner, I had the 47 behind me, and when I got to the corner of the 18 and somehow got by the 47, it was next to me. But we had already committed to the corner, and by then it just wasn't enough room. And we got together. I saw him just as we were hitting each other, like, where did he come from? <laughs> and it uh, certainly was not, not good for anybody. But um, I guess that's just the way it is. So just one more look at the incident in Keselowski's afternoon before we discuss this here. Everything really turned on that restart at lap 45. He and Kyle Busch colliding and spinning at the bus stop. Ultimately, this put him off sequence on pit strategy. He needed that caution to make it to the end. The caution never came, and then he had to pit for fuel with four laps to go. But as we look at this, and Slugger, I'll, I'll start with you on this. 
any blame placed here, or is this is a racing incident, wrong place at the wrong time sort of deal? What was your impression of what happened between these two? I, I think it was an aggressive move. You know, uh, he he won Pocono, so he could be aggressive, and he made a move that I think actually surprised Brad Keselowski, and I believe it surprised Brad Spotter. Usually, you pass on the right side getting into the bus stop, as Parker will tell you. And he went to the left side, and I think it virtually just surprised him made with an aggressive move, and, and they got together. I can tell you how he surprised him. All weekend, the best car going into the interloop and out into the carousel was Kyle Busch. He was incredible, and I think as that restart happened and Kyle was put behind because of the issue they had with the lug nut getting between the wheel and the caliper, he was in aggressive mode. He was in the, you know, possessed mode, driving as hard as he could, and on that restart, he saw a hole on the outside, and knowing how fast he's been there all throughout the weekend, he was thinking, I can outbreak these guys and get two or three spots like that. That's going to be simple, but when he got there, as Brad said, he had no, Brad had no idea he was there because he wasn't expecting it. And I think Kyle was so much faster than some other cars and out and doing so much better job on the brakes. He got there. They got to the center of the corner where two cars just are not going to fit, and they, they end up spinning each other out. I think it definitely, if you're going to put a blame, you know, it's definitely on Kyle in that sense. But at the end of the day, it's a racing incident because if you have guys going for the same position in the same real estate, that's why they're racing. Well, there may not be any blame to be had, right? If he's driving aggressively, that's think, exactly what you would expect exactly. from that Exactly. I think it's a ra at the end of the day, I think it's a racing incident. It's two guys going for the same real estate on a restart, jammed up. One guy who's trying to come through the field with the fastest car there is, and he just ends up in a position where the other guy had no idea was there. Well, as we approach the playoffs, I'm sure Kyle Busch is going to rethink some of the moves he's made. That was an aggressive move at Watkins Glen. He made an aggressive move at Indianapolis going around the 78 car, and they both wrecked. As we approach the playoffs, he, he won't be able to make those mistakes because that's going to knock him out, and I'm sure he's rethinking some of the moves he's making right now. Yeah, potentially there's a lot of balance to consider when it sure. comes to winning these races and heading towards the playoffs. a lot of speed, though. Yes. Hey, speed's always a good thing. Um, listen, Toyota, over the last five races, uh, they've been pretty good. They've established themselves as the dominant car in the Monster Energy Series. We'll show you some jaw-dropping numbers coming up next. Since 1954, STP has been on the leading edge of performance, helping engines run better longer. For the latest info on NASCAR, visit NBCSports.com slash Inside the Garage. Well, next weekend, the NASCAR Xfinity Series races on the road course at Mid-Ohio. That's Saturday at 3.30 Eastern here on NBCSN. And Sunday, the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series taking to the high-speed Michigan International Speedway. Sunday, 3 Eastern on NBCSN. Over the last five races, Toyota drivers have become a familiar sight at the front. They have led more than 88% of the total laps run during this span, leaving Ford and Chevy far, far in the dust. Let's hear from two of the Toyota drivers, Matt Kenseth and Daniel Suarez now. Martin had a fastest car today, so I mean, you know, they really did deserve the win and, and got it. But it's tough when you're when you're that close to uh, not getting. He even missed turn six for me and opened the door wide open. I still couldn't get there, so I got a good run off of six, and um, I couldn't get in the seven as deep as he did, so I couldn't even get to him to to try to get a groove on him. But uh, he was just managing his gap as well, and uh, as soon as he knew a week ago, then he just went too. So um, overall, it was a good day for us, good finish. Uh, you hate to be that close to not get it, but it was a good finish. It's very hard, man. It's uh, it's very hard to to do those uh, to do those few mile races because I really feel like we we were saving good fuel and I really wanted to go. I, I was able to see the 78, right, not very far away from me, and they they were giving me 
telling me to save, to save, and, uh, and I felt like we were fine because I was saving a lot, as, as much as I could, you know, downshifting early and all that kind of stuff. I'm very, very wonder how much fuel we got left on this thing, and <laughs> I don't know. I think I shouldn't go a little bit early, but you never know. Like I said, I was saving the entire run, so I feel like I, could, I, I shouldn't try right there at the end to push right. a little bit more, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, it's hard. It, right now it's easy to say because we made it and yeah. who knows how, many, how much fuel we have left, but... Uh... <laughs> Daniel Suarez playing the what-if game that a driver often plays. That's the, that's the mystery in film right. races. How much fuel is in there? We're all wondering the same thing. But still a phenomenal day uh, for Suarez. Back to the manufacturer storyline here that's emerging and has emerged with Toyota. Any signs that this is going to slow down in any way as we quickly approach the playoffs? Well, you know, Martin Truex and Kyle Busch have had speed all year long. And now their teammates have caught up to them, you know. So whatever they were doing, they finally adapted to it. If it's looking at EFI data, what the, how the drivers are driving their race cars differently, but they've definitely adapted to what Martin and Kyle were doing. So they finally got this aero package figured out for all the Toyota cars. And man, going to Michigan, where three of the Gibbs guys need to win races, it's the right time to have speed. No doubt. And I don't want to hand them the trophy yet, though, because remember, this sport is very cyclical, and especially when it comes to manufacturers and teams and where they are in their development cycles and where their cars are. And right now, we're just at peak Toyota time in the cycle, and that's, that's what right. we're seeing in these last five races, that they've been incredibly competitive. And I think, you know, something that Toyota's done the last couple of years is they've really made the rest of the sport rethink a lot of what we do, especially for the manufacturers, in terms of going to the, the single-team philosophy of having a manufacturer team like Joe racing an affiliate like Furniture Row. That's forced the other manufacturers to up their game. And I think when you look at the resources Toyota puts in there, full disclosure, I drive a Toyota in the truck series, <laughs> so I've seen it firsthand, uh, you know, what they do and the support they give teams. And I think that is a big part of this, why they have this success they do. Well, regardless of the success, Daniel Suarez right now should just be focused on continuing to do what he's been doing. Big stage win uh, from the rookie this weekend. He may be too far back to get in on points. However, one big step towards his first cup win over the weekend. As for his teammate Matt Kenseth, he did pad his lead over Clint Boyer for that final playoff spot. But he's in no way safe with four races left in the regular season. When you look, Slugger, at the drivers who are on the outside looking in, the ones that are not really focused on points, the ones that need a win to get in, which driver do you think out of that lower tier of group beyond the bubble has the ability to do that? I'm looking for Daniel Suarez to do big things at Michigan. He won the Xfinity race there not too long ago. And they got speed in Toyota, so I think they got the momentum. Scott Graves is doing one heck of a job leading that team. He just started in Martinsville in April, and that team is gelling. I mean, that's the crew chief from, from his winning Xfinity Series championship, and they're working together as one, and they are making great moves. Four top tens in a row for a rookie. That's phenomenal. It's very impressive. He's been on a steady climb upwards since the first five races of the season. He's really adapted to the Cup Series well. I also look at his uh, kind of pseudo-teammate there, Eric Jones. I think that 77 car has been great. They obviously know how fast their teammate has been in the 78, uh, Martin Truex Jr., and I think he's been doing an incredible job. And when we look at this past weekend, the start of that race, both those drivers were vying to be in the top five. Neither had been to Watkins Glen in a Cup car before. And we're watching these two go against each other, not only 
to get in the playoffs, but also for the Rookie of the Year battle and honor. And I think it's just really impressive to see both of them not really have a weak point. You'd think maybe a road course would be one of them would be yeah. a little better than the other, but they were right with each other. And so I think those two drivers, of course, Logano could be one of those drivers to go out there and get a win and get in the playoffs. It's funny. We're talking about a pair of rookies who you both think have a really good shot at getting a signature cup win. Joey Logano, you would have to put in that category now after what's transpired. No doubt. I mean, he, he has to win and we think he can win and they think they can win and we speak to Todd Gordon of course and you look at yeah they're very confident and you look at their record the race is upcoming and they've won at these tracks they've done incredible at these tracks and so I don't think that they you know they know they have to win and therefore it could be a dangerous thing for the rest of the field with this team being put in a position where points just don't matter they can take the risk they can go for the gamble because all that matters is game victory lane well last time the 22 team was at, at Michigan they finished third but that was a long time ago, and technology changes every day. And I'm just curious to see if Penske Racing will step up this weekend at Michigan. There's another puzzling storyline emerging that you may not be paying attention to at home, and it involves Kyle Larson. He led the regular season standings as recently as the July race at Daytona, but that really feels distant now. Can he rediscover his groove before the playoffs begin? That is the discussion when we come back. left Watkins Glen fourth in the playoff standings with 13 playoff points. That's not too bad, right? But when you factor this in, that he was leading the regular season standings after the July race in Daytona and was in position of gaining a very valuable 15 playoff points for winning the regular season title, five races later, those chances have all but vanished. Here is what Kyle had to say on social media about what's been going on lately. Been a rough few weeks, but now we start getting back to my favorite tracks hopefully can turn the momentum around. And Slugger, he is absolutely correct. When you look at the success that he has had at a place like Michigan, two wins uh, very recently, and not bad finishes when you look at Bristol, Darlington, and Richmond either. Well, I kind of put them in the same situation of the 22 team after Richmond with the encumbered victory. When you go to the Tech Center and, and get hit, with penalties, they take away speed. They don't give you speed at the Tech Center. And I think really what caught up with them is is they had to detune their race cars a little bit. You know, they, they got penalized after Kentucky, sat on the pole at New Hampshire, had another infraction. And I'm sure Chip Ganassi said, look, guys, we just need to settle down a little bit. Let's get our stuff back right and go racing. So I think it's time at Michigan won the last two races to get back to racing. What do you call that place again? The Room of Doom. The Room of Doom, exactly, <laughs> because your race cars do not get faster when you go in there. They get slower. The thing is about this team and the one car, actually, is that they were very fast at Watkins Glen. I mean, the one car was threatening for the lead at times. The 42 qualified second. He had a tremendous amount of speed. And I think this race team, obviously, has been a little bit of a slide, but they are going to tracks they feel like they know well, they've been successful at, and that's where they get a great litmus test of if they've lost speed or not, which you brought, you and I were talking about this earlier. When he goes to Michigan, and it's suddenly they're not as fast as they've been at Michigan in, years, in recent months and in, in last year, then there's a question mark. Okay, what have we lost, right? And that's going to be great for them to find out. Yeah, I'm going to watch the 42 team if they have the speed, and I'm also watching Chase Elliott. He's finished third three times, a uh, second three times at Michigan, so I'm curious to see if those two young guns will have the speed. A lot of people wondering uh, what's going to happen with Chase Elliott, of course, if he can finally get that signature cup win. But just back to Larson Parker, are you essentially saying that after this Michigan race, we're going to have a much more solidified idea of just where this team is heading into the playoffs? Well, we'll find out where they stack up. And as you were saying, you know, basically, 
if they've been so fast there before, and as we saw earlier this year, they were very fast, then now coming back there, if suddenly they are 20th on the board every session and not qualifying well, and they run badly in the race, that team can then say, okay, what is going on? What has changed since we went and had those infractions? What have we had? What do we need to go work on now? And also they can see where they compare to the rest of the field. Remember, not only are they getting put in a position where they maybe can't be as aggressive with some things in the race car, but the other teams in the series are trying to develop their race cars more and get better. And so it's an always evolving project, right? And you don't ever want to have to go the other way. You want to be going the positive way like the other race teams are. So they're just in a tough position right here. But I think if they go there and they're similar speed and things seem to start to look like they did before, then this team can get back on track as we enter the playoffs. Well, I think they had a target. They knew what they got in trouble for, what the value of, of that was. So I'm sure they've been to the wind tunnel. They tested at Dover, I believe, with Jay McMurray. So I'm sure they tried some parts and pieces to get back to where they were. And I've, I truly expect the 42 to be the one to beat again this weekend at Michigan. And Kyle... Just so you guys know, he hasn't forgotten how to drive. No. So he'll still right. be fast. I guarantee he'll get it right. Yeah. Hey, if they need to get it right, Michigan's not a bad place right. to do so. We are going to hear from two other drivers coming up who were in the race at Watkins Glen right to the very end. Clint Boyer, desperate for that win, and also Ryan Blaney, who already has one. We'll hear from them next. NASCAR America is brought to you by New Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for one full year. Visiting today's top story, Hendrick Motorsports announcing that Casey Kane will not return to the organization in 2018. Kane, who joined Hendrick back in 2012, won the Brickyard 400 just two weeks ago. No official word right now on who's going to replace him in the five car. As for Kane, he joins Kurt Busch and Matt Kenseth as drivers who are currently in this year's playoffs without guaranteed rides in 2018. Kane scoring six of his 18 career wins with Hendrick Motorsports. And both Clint Boyer and Ryan Blaney recorded top ten finishes at Watkins Glen. Following the race, each driver talked about fuel and how it played a factor in the final laps on Sunday. I don't know that I had to. It didn't blubber or anything. Uh, we had fuel issues all weekend long. The car just wasn't good. It was a, you know, kind of a dirty map, but um, really never was on a fighting side of a strategy. You know, he's just kind of protecting the whole day, trying to figure out how to get that track position. Got a little of it with racing, but, you know, it's just hard out there with this group and, and uh, this competition. I kind of saved a little bit. I got by the 78, and he was saving hard, and I should have just backed up to the 78 and, and, and just stayed in front of him more. I started saving just a little bit too late and not, not hard enough and just uh, I ran out down the back coming to two to go and uh, they weren't going to make it uh, a lap and a half. So stinks, man. That, that, was, that was cool. We were up front of the road course and a place I struggled with uh, last year. But I think the biggest thing is, is the improvement we've made from year to year and from road course to road course. That means a lot. 
So Ryan Blaney safely in the playoffs, of course, and then Clint Boyer finished fifth, still lost points to that cutoff line. He's 28 behind Matt Kenseth. These are two drivers who are in two very different situations, and we got into Clint Boyer and how his strategy played out at the very top of the show, but let's just double down on that right now, Parker. Jeff Burton said in the broadcast that not finishing this race on fuel would be devastating to Clint Boyer. Explain just why? Well, I think in every single interview, aside from the winner, this fuel mileage race, we've heard coulda, shoulda, woulda, right? Sure. Because that's how fuel mileage races are. And for the 14 team with a lot on the line, as they had in terms of being able to push it to go for the win or in this very precarious position of knowing that you have to maximize your fuel and that comes down to Clint and the team doing the right math and him doing the right things in the race car to go and get the finish. And there was a lot of instruction to him on the radio as he came down these final laps to just finish the race. They knew they needed to finish that because of the penalty that would have happened if he doesn't finish that race and runs out of fuel. Yeah, I understand, Crew Chief Mike Booger, it's his, his mentality. We have to finish. Clint knows he has to win, so there's a little rift there going on. But, hey, Parker, at the end of the day, everyone made a big deal about Clint winning the segment at Pocono. He gained 10 points. Yesterday, he lost 11. Yeah. So, it, you know, it's it's a big deal. Everyone counts points, and they all add up. And, and at the end of the day, he lost 11 points, and that's going to add up. I heard up. a new fun term, dirty map. Dirty map, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was asking you guys, what do you mean by that? So that's the fuel map. I mean, I'll relate to our yeah. crew chief here in the in fuel injection. So the engine engine department, they have maps that they can put in the uh, EFI in, inside the car, and it allows the different timing, different fuel settings for the engine. And obviously, it sounds like they might have been on a fuel savings map where it didn't run really, really crisp and lacking a little bit of horsepower. So teams have that liberty to adjust different maps within the rules of NASCAR, and it's a neat tool to have. And so the in one, English, that means basically... So, well, what I was going to say is basically it decides how much fuel the engine uses and, and for the driver why that can be frustrating or difficult is when the engine is as Clint called it a dirty map rough. it can be doing rough things it can buck and do odd things in the corners and not allow you to save fuel the way you want because it's not it's not smooth it's not helping you be smooth it's fighting, so, you. It's fighting you it's hurting you more than it's helping you <laughs> yeah. although it might be using less fuel yeah. as a driver you're having to deal with another variable the, the car not do what you want it to do and he did run out of fuel so that's a good thing exactly Sometimes so they, got, they got it right yeah. We need a crew chief translation sometimes because yes. yeah, it gets a little bit It's complex. like an urban dictionary for crew chiefs. <laughs> yeah, but if you have a carburetor, it's like taking Jed out of the carburetor. So <laughs> No one understood that either. Don't worry. Okay. No one got it's that okay. one. That's okay. That's why we have you on here because the fans <laughs> really like it. Um, that's all for now. For your NASCAR news, you can always go to NBCSports.com slash NASCAR. Don't forget that. There's always good stuff on there. Uh, back Tuesday at it again, 5 p.m. Eastern, same time, same place. And we've got Scandal, so make sure you're with us. We'll see you then. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.